0: Welcome to a Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on a Transforming Word.
1: And as heirs together the grace of life, lest your prayers be hindered. Well, where's the verse that says if she act up, you won't hear her? It's not in there, right? Who wrote this? God wrote this. So I just want us to know that you know it should be a hint and a clue to legalism. So many things that man will add and put on stuff. Don't don't succumb to it. Don't fall victim to it. And one thing that will keep us from legalism is staying in the Word of God, where we get it from God's Word, where we understand, now God, you said this.
0: How do you know when a community is falling into legalism? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he shares with you that legalism is any teaching that adds to the Word of God The Bible is God-breathed. It doesn't need to be added to or retracted from in any way. Pastor Bill explains that any teaching that does this is on its way towards legalism. The way that you can shield yourself from false teaching is to stay in the Bible. Study the scriptures for yourself so that you will know what is truth. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: This is a a brief summary of what we've covered so far. The book of Galatians written by the Apostle Paul is written to churches, uh, several churches in the area of Galatia. Paul had gone into this region. Uh, We find out that Paul went there because he had some kind of illness. And so his initial trip to Galatia, he had some kind of sickness or infirmity. He was going there to get, you know, some doctor care. But Paul being Paul. Why he was there, uh, took the opportunity and the time to share the gospel. And he ended up uh, leading people to the Lord and started several churches in this area. Uh, they were started on the premise of the actual gospel. They got saved. They were born again. Uh, there was a legitimate work that God had done in this area. And Paul left, as he would many times do, start a church and leave uh, leave the church in the care of other ministers. And when Paul left, false teachers came behind him. Um, And they begin to teach a false doctrine, which was a combination of the work of Jesus and the law. Uh, We call it legalism. Uh, They were taking some some aspects of the Jewish faith and trying to mix it with Christianity. And the Galatians actually bought into it. And so he says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has tricked you guys that you would you would walk away from the simplicity that's in Christ and, and and be wrapped up in this? And so. Um, what we're really going to look at uh, today, I, I titled today's message, Sons or Slaves. And what Paul has done, Paul argues like a like an attorney, and he's made several points so far. But today what he's going to do is make the argument that we have the privilege to be sons. And I want to make this clear for all the ladies so y'all don't feel left out. When I say sons, I mean like a child of God, is a, it could be a, a guy or a girl. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So when I say sons, I mean, sons, daughters, it's not exclusive to men. It's not like, you know, the guys got some special end with Jesus that y'all got. We learned last chapter, there's neither, you know, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, that there's there's an equality in Christ. Right. We all come to Christ the same way. And so as we look at this chapter, we're going to see that we have the privilege to be sons. Um, And Paul is going to say, why would you go back to? Uh, being under the law. Why would you go back to being a servant or a slave when you could be treated like a son? And he's going to make some arguments in this chapter. So look at chapter four, Galatians chapter four. Uh, Let's look at verses one and two. Paul says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed By the father. Now, this is what that means. In their custom, if you were a, let's say I was a son in Jewish custom and I was going to be heir of everything that belonged to my dad. Everything that was going to come to me didn't come to me until I was age 40. So there are two different things that would happen in Jewish custom. First of all, everybody here has heard of a bar mitzvah, right? You guys heard of a bar mitzvah? All right. So um, obviously, we don't practice that, but in a Jewish culture, uh, bar mitzvah was uh, at 13, that was where the Jewish boy was considered. Now you're responsible for your own walk before God. Um, they made that like their age of accountability. Now you've come into a place where you're responsible for God. Um, you don't get any of the privileges of being an adult yet, but you're, you're bar mitzvah. You, you know, it's their coming into manhood ceremony. Then when a Jewish male was 40, unlike our culture, when you were 40, uh, whatever was coming to you in terms of inheritance would come to you at 40 now You're considered a full-grown man with all the rights and privileges of being a man So in our culture if I have uh, if I have left something behind for my kids when do they get it? When, when I die and they don't get it a day sooner when I turn 40, you know I'm still accruing what they gonna get they don't get nothing yet, you know, so uh, but in Jewish culture when you were 40 um, there would be uh, portions of, you know, inheritance given over to the oldest male, oldest male child we get it first and so forth and so on. So what Paul is saying here is, look, let's say you live in a house of a Jewish person, um, but you're not 40 yet. So you're still considered a child, even though everything that's there is going to be coming to you, but they still treat you like a child. You're still under, there's someone else in charge of everything still. You haven't come into your full, you haven't come into everything that's going to be made available. The Bible is saying that that's what it was like when you were under the law. Like you were under the law, you were, you know, you were in the family. There was all this that was coming, but it wasn't yours yet. It was going to come when Jesus was revealed is what this chapter going to teach. So what Paul's going to argue is for someone that's coming to the full blessing, why would you ever want to go back? Why would you ever go backwards into, um, you know, a lesser, a lesser opportunity with the Lord? And I want you just to consider this, that there are obviously there are privileges that children enjoy that someone that's not a child would not enjoy. Uh, well, let's say you went to your favorite place to buy a beverage, uh, a coffee place or whatever, you know, and, and the person that made your drink made your drink. How would y'all feel if before they handed it to you, they just took a sip of it? Just, so that's, that's really good. What is it? What is this? I, I've never tried that. That's really good. And they handed it to you. Y'all would be calling for managers and money back and all kind of stuff. We wouldn't accept that, but. I got kids, and my kids do this to me with everything. They they got this thing that the first sip is the best sip. So I've been caught up. I'm a grown man, but if I get them a drink, I just I take that first sip. I'm like, yeah, I got the best sip. You know, I have been fooled into this, but you would take that from a child, but you wouldn't take that from nobody else. Could not nobody else do that to you? You know, um, my youngest son BJ, uh, he'll do this to me. He'll be leaving after church. And he'll leave with my wife. He'll put his arm around her waist and he looks back at me like, like I'm leaving with your woman. And, you know, now I'm telling you, any other male in this facility did that. I'm going to catch a case, you know. But he can do that. You know, the privileges of sonship, I, I give him a pass on that. And so, you know, we have, as Christians, we're in this very privileged relationship with the Lord and while in our culture, in our context here, I don't think anybody here is struggling with Judaism, but people struggle with different types of legalism. And what Paul is going to be arguing in this chapter is let's let's take advantage of what our fathers made available to us. Let's don't be cheated out of uh, the richness of a relationship with Jesus that is, you know, is, is purchased through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's nothing that you or you or I have done to earn it. Um, but that we're just recipients. Let's just be let's appreciate being children of an amazing God rather than trying to do something in our own strength, do something in our own might. And that's what these guys were struggling with, struggling with going back into legalism and trying to do it for themselves. And so uh, look at verse three. It says, even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. And so Paul, again, is taking them back when you guys were under the law. That's what he's referring to as children. You guys were in bondage. The law was bondage. And we looked at last week how that the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ. And so we explained that God's never there was never an intention on God's behalf that anybody here would ever look at the law and be able to keep it. There's more than 300 laws in the Old Testament. God said that it was never God's intention that we would that there be somebody that could say, I did it. I kept all of them. Every day of my whole life, nobody's ever done it except for who? Jesus. Jesus. So we don't want to pick up the slack at any point like, like somehow I'm earning my relationship with the Lord. It was taken care of. Jesus paid. When we say Jesus paid it all, we're saying, that's, we're saying that the, that encompasses the whole thing. He lived a life that was wholly set apart for God, that never sinned, that was flawless and perfect. Then he he died he took all my sins and your sins and he, he paid it all. He did everything. And so what we should be is lovers of God, worshipers of Jesus. And then the Bible teaches that the goodness of God brings us to repentance. And I believe as we understand the gospel right, it will produce holier lives. But we won't be living holy lives hoping that my holy life will win favor with God. We'll be living holy lives in worship. Lord, thank you so much for what you've already done. God, you can have my life. I willingly surrender my life to you, not so that you will, but because you already have. And that's the big difference between a legalistic relationship with God and a relationship with the Lord that comes through grace. When I understand grace, God's unmerited favor, God's done for me what I don't deserve. He loved me when I was unlovely. I'm, a, I'm a responding to a great God, responding to what a great God has already done for me. What legalism says is I'm trying to earn his favor. I'm trying to I want God's approval so bad. I want God to like me more. I, I wonder if I do this. Maybe if I serve more, maybe if I give more, maybe if I do this more. And we're trying to earn God's favor like a little kid that just wants mom or dad's approval. And God's like, you already have it. You understand grace. You have. I can't love you anymore. I already love you to the max. I love you when you were unlovely. So I don't love you more when you become lovelier or, or less when you become less lovely. I've loved you at your unloveliest. And so God should put it should put the believer in this place where there could be a a steady confidence that I am loved by God. I am received and accepted by God and I'm I'm responding and worshiping. Everything I'm doing is a response to what God has already done. I'm not trying to earn his favor. And so I want us to understand that, that we're not trying to earn something from God. I don't want you trying to earn what you already have. Right. Sometimes you know, if your kids are playing a sport or if they're doing something, you'll see them doing it. They're looking to see if you're looking to see what they're doing, you know. And where, why do they do that? Because they want to see if you if they do something good, they want to see if you saw if they do something bad. And I've done this I, I, as a parent. My kids may be playing a sport. If they do something bad, I look away. So then when they look to see if I'm looking, I, I look like I didn't see, but I saw it. You know what I'm mean? But they don't need to know that. You know what I mean? It's not gonna help them out. But if they do something good, I, they look over, I look. You know, I have my nephew for the summer and I uh, wanted to put him in martial arts where my son goes, and so I put him in. And the first week he got there, it was uh, the first week there was a fight night. And I was not gonna have him fight because I'm like, you haven't done it long enough. He was like, no, nah, but I wanna do it, I wanna do it. I'm like, and I made a deal with him. I said, all right, well, when, when it comes to fighting, the one thing you can't be is scared. I said, there are going to be kids that are more skilled. The only thing that can beat skill is heart. So I just, all I told them, I said, this is what you got to do. Because you don't have no skill yet. So I said, when you get close enough to sock, you got to just keep socking and don't stop socking until they make you stop, you know? Or if you're going to get beat up all night, you know? Something like that. You don't know how to kick yet, so you're going to get kicked on your way in. Take one to the gut. And I said, then get in there and just, just jab them, jab jab, jab jab until they make you stop. And the deal was that uh, there was a video game he wanted to play. I said, if you, if you, if you show up I just if all I need to see is that you don't quit. And I said, then I'll, I'll take you to play, you know, whatever the game that he wanted to play. And I'm telling you, my my, my guy did his thing. He went and uh, he got pulled up afterwards. Two kids got disciplined. They're like, look, it's his first night. Him, he barely got his white belt. So said, y'all, for him to be hanging with y'all, y'all old push-ups. They had to do push-ups, but he went. But I'm telling you, every time he did something good, he hit a kid he fell. he looked back. I was like, I see you, boy. I, like, I saw that, you know. And he's just looking back like, I want to make sure that, you see, I, I, I did it. I knocked him down. Like, he really slipped. But I, I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to give you the knockdown points. We might recognize that kids looking back, they want to be approved. And, but we don't want to become that. When we're looking constantly for God to prove me. God says, Look, I've approved you already. Um, I have approved you. I love him. God can't love you any more than he already does, and he won't love you any less than he already does. And so, if we can soak that in and receive that truth, then we can respond in worship in a biblical way to the Lord the way that he wants, um, not in legalism, not trying to earn it. So we challenge you guys here. I tell you guys, y'all need to be in fellowship regularly. That's not to earn favor with God; it's to learn about the God that you already love. Amen. Amen. Why we worship? We don't yell at you guys. Get up, worship God. You just, you, if you know Him. It has to be a natural thing. It's an opportunity to worship him with other people that love him. I'm in. I'm in. What's that? What's the name of that song? I'm gonna sing it with you. You know, that should just be the natural response. You know, um, we challenge you guys, do Bible reading. Read your word, stay in the word. Why? So you can know the God that you that did all these things, you'll know him better, so you'll worship him according to his truth. We don't we don't say do that. You're not, I'm not a better Christian than you if I read the word. God doesn't look upon me more favorably. Because I read every day, but you know what will be different? I'll know God better. I'll know how to pray better. I'll know what He likes and hates better. I'll understand how to relate to him better because I'm spending time in his word, being where he's revealing himself. Doesn't doesn't make me doesn't put me in a place where God's like, "Oh, I love you more because you you did that reading this morning, boy." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, When you pray, I'm, I'm all ears. Them, I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not even listening to them today. You know, I'm clogging up my ears for that. They they, get, they did one of them one verse reads. I'm not giving them no time. You know, God's not like that. He he's available. He loves us. We're not earning anything. Uh, and I want us to understand that that because um, that's what God wants. God's, I want you to understand grace, but I believe when we understand grace, we won't out of legalism do more. We will out of worship do more. And what we'll do out of worship is far greater than what you do out of legalism. If I'm just trying to earn favor, there's a point where I'm like, I don't want it that bad. you know if I, I got to do all that for you to like me, then I am here. But if it's out of worship, you died for me. I was going to hell. Now I'm going to heaven. I used to be blind. Now I can see I I did not know God. I was not looking for God. God came pursuing and looking and found me. Now, God, I'll go to the ends of the earth. Whatever you want, you can have it. And so it it just looks different and it tastes different. And then then it, it removes that part of us that wants to be proud and arrogant because this happens in, you know, in religious settings where men feel like they've earned what they have. It uh, leaves room for pride, spiritual pride, which is may be one of the ugliest forms of pride. We're proud of what we do and what we don't do. Um, you know, I may find that you do something that, that I don't do. I had a person that was very proud of the fact that <laughs> that they didn't um, they didn't watch any kind of violence. You know, they don't I don't know no boxing or I just don't see that. I don't believe that Christians could punch each other in the face. I mean, Have you heard Paul's teachings? Paul was giving sport. Paul was like, Look, I, I'm like, I don't want to be like a boxer boxing to win. You know, I want to connect when I throw a blow. You know, I'm like, Paul said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. He, he was using sports. And now that brother was at the Coliseum watching sports, I believe, you know. So, uh, you know, we can get so deep and be so shallow at the same time. Please don't be that Christian. He says now in verse four, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman under the law. And the fullness of time refers to this is the the time appointed by God where he was finally going to bring it into the law and bring people into fullness, a relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ. Verse five, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And that was the goal of God. He was going to redeem those who were under the law. So there were Jews who were under the law that couldn't keep it that were bummed out that they couldn't keep it and god said look, i'm going to redeem all you guys out of that there'd be a like a rescue attempt to bring all of you out of a place where you're you couldn't keep the law you were trying to keep and god said look i'm bringing jesus christ who did it for you and i think for the jewish people who understood it right that were there that were under the law they were like man this is this is laborious i can't do it all and then jesus came and said look i did it all for you receive me I believe that had to be so liberating and freeing and just set you free. And that's why earlier on in Galatians, it said that these Galatians who were enjoying all the liberty of Christ, they didn't have to keep all the extra rules. They didn't have to wear the special religious clothing. They didn't have to wash a certain way. They didn't have to go to certain days. They just could free to love Jesus uh, according to the word of God and says that they came out and spied out their liberty. And they were looking and seeing like, oh, you guys eat whatever you want. That's not. No, that can't be right you just going to wear that to the temple today? Nah, nah, that, that, that can't be right. And I'm going to tell you that we don't have Jewish custom, but we have Christian groups that do similar stuff. I try to be very cautious about putting on people more than what the word puts on people because the word puts enough on us. If you study the word, there's enough commands here for New Testament, save folk, that we need to abide by, that we don't need to add anything uh, to it. You know, there's enough there. And so you know, God said, look, I came to set you guys free of that. There are in Christian circles. I met this week with a friend of mine that was previously a, uh, hardcore Pentecostal legalistic church minister. And when we first started meeting, um, he was grieved at what was happening in his group. Um, he told me a story about a lady who came to church and they were trying to lead her to the Lord. And she found out she had cancer and finally came and he said, somebody got up out of the Behind him, from the the choir stands, he's at the pool. He said, "Before this woman can get to a seat, somebody from up here left, made their way all the way down to where she was, and whatever they said, she never even stayed for service. She just left, and it was like that's that's legalism. That that woman couldn't even come get a seat. You know, my, this is my heart, right? If if the church is to be like a hospital, I'm not really gonna concern myself with how you come in. If you come into a hospital, you might be bleeding." You might be leaking blood. can't say, don't, don't bleed in here. Sanitize. Get out of here until you quit bleeding. And that's what the hospital's for. You might come in here, a mess. It's happened. People have come in here and, and it'd be a mess. And it's like, well, come here. Come here a message. Come here what the Lord has done. They have to be able to come. We wouldn't say on site, get out. You know? Those sort of things. You know, we I've known people where uh, if you're a woman and you come in for every woman here that makeup on right now, oh no. Oh no, no! Oh, that's harlotry. You got that harlot paint on your face. You got to get up out of here with that. You know, if you're a woman and you decide to put some pants on, um, oh no, oh no! You're dressing like a man. Um, and here's the thing: if you look at it, if you look at most religious stuff, most religions, and most religious things, one of the hints that these things are not from God and that they've been man made is it's always worse to be a woman in those settings. You take your legalistic Pentecostal church; it's bad on the woman. It's a lot of things that women can't do. You know what do the men can't do? Hmm. Think about that for a minute. Um, you go over to the you go, you go over to the mosque, right? If you are a woman, head to toe, ankle, neck to ankle, head, everything, everything. Them brothers having three, four, five, submit and be quiet, woman. Uh, you take the Mormon church. If you're a man, when you die, good Mormon, you know what you get? You get a planet and a bunch of virgin wives to populate your planet. Yippee! If you're a man. But what's, what's a woman? I don't know no woman that's like, yay, I get to be one of you know, no woman. No woman's shouting to be one of, you know. If you're a if you're a solid, if you're, a, if you're an orthodox Muslim and you die taking out infidels, I mean that's the highest mark. You die taking out non-believers. You get to go to a paradise guess what you get to your paradise? A bunch of virgin wives. What does a, a woman get? Like that, 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 Those ought to be hints and clues that that's man-made. But you know what Christianity says to the man? Christianity says, man, you represent Christ in the, in the marriage. And the standard upon you, I, I, I'm, I'm expecting more of you. And you're going to love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself. You're going to love her. You're going to die to yourself and represent me in that household. Now, if I was writing it, I wouldn't write it like that. You know, I I wouldn't make it rougher on me. So as you look into religion and and things that are man-made, you know, one of the hints, it always kind of works out better for the man. You read your Bible and God says, no, man, I'm holding you to a higher standard. You're you're the leader. God says things to the husband. It bothers me. He doesn't say to the wife. Husbands, dwell with her with understanding. First Peter 3, 7. Honor her as a weaker vessel. And as heirs together the grace of life, lest your prayers be hindered. Where's the verse that says if she act up, You won't hear her. when It's not in there. Right. Who wrote this? God wrote this. So I just want us to know that, you know, it should be a hint and a clue to legalism. So many things that man will add and put on stuff. Don't don't succumb to it. Don't fall victim to it. And one thing that will keep us from legalism is staying in the word of God, where we get it from God's word. where we understand now, God, you said this. Um, And so there are some liberties and freedom that Christ has afforded. To those that believe in him. And so he wants to redeem us, that he might receive us. Um, verse five, to redeem those who are under the law, that he might receive, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And I want to point this out for, when he uses adoption here, he uses the Roman word. And the idea here of adoption, it's not like what we do. When we think of adoption, it is you taking someone else's child and making them your own. Adoption. When he says adoption here, he's speaking of um, in the New Testament Adoption is putting putting a believer um, Into the position of mature sons where they have all the privileges
0: In his letter to the Galatians Paul fought against the Judaizers who were trying to make the Galatians follow the Old Testament law after they had been saved Paul presents an eloquent and passionate argument about the purpose of the law and the finality of being saved through God's grace. In chapter 5, verse 1, he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul reminds the reader over and over that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he had provided for our salvation once and for all. There is nothing else we need to do to be saved. There is nothing else we can do to add to our salvation. It's all been done for us by Jesus. Thanks for joining us today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of Galatians, and together we're learning so much about God's incomprehensible grace. God's grace is so amazing that it's a message we have to share with the world, and you can join us. We have two ways for you to give. There's online giving on our website, CalvaryEnglewood.org, or once you're on the website, you can download the mobile app and give from there. Once again, that website is CalvaryEnglewood.org. While you're there, check out all the great resources we put together for you, including our daily Bible reading plan. Well, we're coming to the end of our time for you today, but don't worry, we'll be back again. Be sure to join us next time for another great message right here on A Transforming Word.